Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We have an interesting show today. We have several people we're going to be talking to. The first one is Andy Berger, who is the founder of Voices Against Trafficking. And I'd like to introduce it to everybody. Andy, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. And you're calling in from where? I'm calling in from Redmond, Oregon, right in the middle of the state. Oh, very cool. It's a beautiful state. Tell us uh, a little bit about you and about your organization. Sure. Uh, Basically, uh, I created Voices Against Trafficking in January of 2020 to uh, collectively bring together organizations, nonprofits, and such uh, to have more leverage and more power against the fight for the human rights of all victims and children. I know this personally, having been a victim of human trafficking back in the early 60s and 70s before there ever was a term for it. And so it's a passion project that uh, we are making great strides in educating and creating greater awareness in this country and other countries around. Well, that sounds really commendable. I know this is um, this month is particularly important because it's a uh, anti-human trafficking month. Is that what I understand? Uh, it's actually Child Abuse Awareness Month, but okay. you know every month is anti-trafficking month for yeah, us. But, I would yeah. hope. <laughs> Yes. So tell me, what does your organization do to um, make people aware of what's going on? We do a lot of media, and thank you for the opportunity to speak. We do forums, international forums, quarterly, and what that includes is speakers from not only the U.S., but all over the world, you know, what they're doing, what's happening, what the real truth is about uh, this this human pandemic of trafficking. Uh, we're, we're at $161 billion globally, $99 billion of that is sex trafficking, and so we work very hard to make sure we can give as many tools, many opportunities, for people to say, you know, I want to be part of the solution. And a lot of times children who are abused, which is, you know, to the point of April, is they become victims of trafficking. Uh, The kids that my husband and I rescue, they've all been abused, and a lot of them were lured into trafficking because they are vulnerable. They're looking for anyone, you know, just like I did, you know, anyone to give them attention and to maybe be their friend or, or see them as special, and then they end up in a worse situation. Yeah, and we do a lot of shows about um, sex trafficking, human trafficking, and I think the big thing, and I commend you for what you're doing, um, people need to be educated. They could be looking at a situation and not recognizing it for what it is. And there are so many red flags that, you know, people need to be aware of. Absolutely. And even in my situation, I was five. I was so bad that at five, that was my first attempt at suicide. And people say, oh, you know, why would a little kid want to kill themselves? Well, when you're you're being violated, you're being beaten, you're being, uh, you know, just horrifically abused, uh, you want to be anywhere except with those people. And familial trafficking, familial abuse is even harder because the bloodline tends to protect them. Uh, you know, you can't go get help if they say, well, you have to bring a parent if you're a minor. And if the parent is the abuser, then that doesn't help them. And I know that personally when I try to get help or escape. I know the state of Arizona is passing a law that will require people who are found guilty of this a lifetime in prison. And I think that should that be the be case awesome. for every state. And if we have to lead the way we're going to, and I can't wait for this law to go into effect. 
and it, it's it's harsh, but what they're doing to victims is harsh. So, absolutely, they're stealing their innocence, and victims live with the PTSD. They live with the destructive self behavior because the pain is so great. So you can never give that person back a normal life. No, they have you to can't. find a new normal. Yeah, yes. it's unfortunate. Go but- Arizona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this. We've had the uh, state representative on talking about it, and you know we're gonna we're gonna fight this as best we can, and hopefully everybody follows suit. That would be amazing. That would do a lot because right now the predators have the upper hand, and we have seen in national headlines how far up the chain it can go in terms of you know power or corruption or wealth or whatever exactly. it is. But what most pe- most people don't know, it happens every day. Every forty seconds, a child is abducted wow. in this country. Well, I Andy, I appreciate you bringing this to light and reminding everybody that you know we need to be more aware and get educated everybody needs to be educated on this it's not something that oh it doesn't affect me it affects all of us so kudos to you for doing what you're doing thank you so much and if they need helplines or hotlines they are on voicesagainsttrafficking.com if you're a victim if you're not sure if you should report or even if you're a predator or abuser please go to those hotlines and helplines and get the help you need yes absolutely Thanks again for calling in. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Sherry. You take care. Have a good weekend. All right. You also. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Our next guest, he's been on before, Douglas Nick from ADOT. He's the Assistant Director of Communications, and he's going to tell us why it's okay we can drive around without a current driver's license. Hey, Doug. (laughs) Well, that's one way of putting it, I suppose. Um, <laughs> What's yeah, going on? Referring, uh, uh, well, good morning, first of all. It's nice to be with you. And uh, we've got plenty going on at ADOT and the Motor Vehicle Division. Um, what you were referring to, of course, um, is uh, something that goes back more than a year now, of course, related to the pandemic when Governor Ducey uh, last year uh, extended by executive order the ability for people to um, have their uh, or to delay the renewal of their their driver license uh, that was largely to protect uh, more vulnerable populations of seniors people above 65 years of age uh, so that they could avoid coming into an MVD office uh, obviously to uh, promote social distancing and, and so forth uh, again that was about a year ago and it, it that finally um, it was extended a few times and then it, it ultimately that executive order ultimately did, expire uh, at the end of February. But what it did at the time was uh, extend uh, expired licenses by a year. So those uh, records were automatically updated in people's um, motor vehicle record that we keep on hand uh, so that if law enforcement was to pull you over for some uh, reason, they could uh, check the record. And, and even though your physical credential might be expired, uh, you, it would show up as, a, as an extension in uh, the electronic database. Again, that was so that folks who were 65 or older needing to renew their license simply did not have to come in and deal with the situation, uh, which thankfully, as, as I think we can all recognize, the, the public health situation is not completely over, obviously, um, but it's much, much better now than it was uh, even a few months ago. Uh, so if you were in, in that uh, cohort of folks, uh, what we announced in February uh, before the 
ultimate expiration of that executive order uh, is that you can renew your license online. And um, there's a process for doing that, but uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, activity in that regard. Uh, And we're also seeing a lot more traffic coming back to our physical offices as well as people get vaccinated, as as, uh, the the number of cases goes down. Uh, We're able to do a lot more um, to serve folks online and in person than we were at this time a year ago. If you renew online, do you get a, a license in the mail? You do. What what the process is this, um, whether you realize it or not, if you are already a customer of the Motor Vehicle Division, that is, if you already have a, a driver license or ID with us, uh, we have um, an account waiting and ready for you to use, if you so desire, at a service called azmvdnow.gov. That's azmvdnow.gov. All you need to do is go to that website, and if you haven't uh, activated your account, uh, there's a a lot of help there to show you how to do that. We have a number of how-to videos. It's really a simple process, but of course not everybody's comfortable or as comfortable as others with using a computer. Uh, But you can use it anytime, day or night. Uh, It's always there available for you. And there are multiple things you can do uh, on that service, including renewing your driver license online. The only caveat is that uh, if if your photo is more than 12 years old, you will need to come into an office, but many folks uh, the age of 65 or older have renewed every five years, which is state law. Uh, so it's, it's possible there are quite a few people that have a, a photo that's fewer than 12 years old. Uh, you just go in there, follow the process. It just takes a few minutes, and then uh, within about 15 business days, you're going to get a new driver license mailed to you. But no matter what, your, your uh, updated information is automatically and immediately put into the system. So even if you're a few days past your expiration, uh, you'll be okay if you do happen to have a visit with one of our friends in blue because maybe you went speeding or something like that. I never do that. I know. Nobody nobody in our audience, your audience, would ever do that, I'm sure. No. And I just pulled my license out while you were talking. It expires next month. I didn't know that. <laughs> so you are... Yeah. <laughs> You are certainly, uh, if you you are eligible to go on right now, if you like, and go ahead and update that and renew online if you if you want to. Yeah, I'll do that. That makes it easy. It's yeah, easier than going to the office. It is, and um, the offices are are, are uh, getting pretty close to the level of capacity that we were dealing with on a daily basis prior to the pandemic. So that's. On one hand, that's encouraging. On, on the other hand, that you know, it's more of a challenge. We do uh, ask folks to make appointments still, um, but it's not required anymore. You can, if, if there there is capacity, and that's that's an if, not a not a for sure thing. But if there is capacity to you know, to still do the social distancing, uh, if walk-ins are accepted at, at MBD offices now. Um, but we do have a preferred system where you can get an appointment. You can make that online or by phone. We prefer online. Um, but we're we're open. We never did close during the pandemic. Some some motor vehicle agencies throughout the country shut down completely. We never did. Uh, so we we've been working really hard to serve the public. How does this um, all of this affect that program with the little star on your driver's license? Has that been affected by this at all? It has. Um, there have been a couple of changes. Uh, last year, um, the Trump administration, actually in March of last year, so this goes back quite a ways, 
just by executive order um, delayed the implementation. What you're talking about is the travel ID, or right. what some people know as the real ID. Um, so that was supposed to go into effect uh, October of last year, so what, six months ago or something like that. Um, they delayed that to October of this year, and uh, who knows, uh, that's how it stands right now. The, that's always subject to change. But for now, the deadline for having uh, a, a compliant ID in order to get through airport checkpoints, which would be the primary concern for most people, it's also true if you need to get into a federal building or onto a military base, um, but for the lion's share folks, it's going to be if you want to fly domestically in order to get through the TSA security checkpoints, you're going to need to have an ID that the federal government recognizes. Um, and that could be a passport. Uh, that could be a number of other things. But um, primarily, it's going to be a driver license, but it has to have the gold star in the corner. And in order to get that, and you can still get that, we never stopped offering it. We just kind of stopped advertising it because we didn't want to generate more traffic into our offices during the pandemic uh, any more than necessary. But you can still get it. Uh, you do need to provide additional documentation in order to get that license. You need to have um, uh, some proof of ID, not your current license. That doesn't count. So you need to have either a, an original birth certificate, a valid U.S. passport. Those are going to be the two most common things. There are others. Um, and then you need to prove um, your residency. You need two pieces of, docu of documentation for that. And that's pretty simple. Uh, it could be you could bring in a magazine with your name and address on it. As long as it's got your current name and your current address, your legal name and your current address on it, um, that'll work. And, and, uh, or maybe bring in a utility bill or an insurance document or something like that. Uh, and then you need two, two things like that, although we do provide an affidavit uh, at MBD offices to fulfill one of those requirements. Um, so you can say your name is occupant? <laughs> uh, you can't do that. I'm, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> and then one one nice change that uh, just came with a, a piece of legislation that was passed during the pandemic just a few months ago is uh, you don't have to bring a social security card anymore. You can we can look that up electronically now, which we've been able to do for years, but the the law wouldn't allow us to accept it. Now we can, so that helps a little bit. Yeah, that makes it easier. Yeah. Very cool. So are they fixing all the streets up there in Phoenix? I understand they tore the place up. Uh, which to which which roads are you referring to? We're always doing projects. Well, of course, we're doing projects down at uh, uh, down in Tucson as well. We've got uh, uh, some work being done at Ruth Roth and Houghton. That's yes. progressing nicely. Um, so uh, one thing, actually, now that you mention it, that I would like to uh, we we hadn't talked about talking about this, but I know that we've been getting a tremendous amount of complaints uh, statewide, but especially in Tucson about litter. And um, uh, you look at the areas of like I-19 and I-10, that intersection yeah. of that interchange and other places. I was down in Tucson about a month ago doing uh, uh, an event with some, uh, all the TV stations showed up and uh, the newspaper as well to talk about this problem. And uh, I don't know if you want to get into this, but I know that we get a lot of uh, conversation uh, at our office, especially in Southern Arizona partly because we have the unfortunate fact of the pandemic reducing our ability to pick up litter because we are very dependent in, in the South Central District, which includes Metro Tucson, much of Casa Grande, all the way down to Benson, Nogales, Green Valley, all those areas. Uh, we are not able to use our partners with the uh, Department of Corrections. Those inmate crews are not available to us right now, and that's not throwing 
any blame on the corrections because they are a great partner, but because they have to restrict the movement of their inmates due to COVID. They're not going to get COVID out on the highway. (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) that's that's, uh, certainly worth exploring but nevertheless they've <laughs> they've had a lot of pressure put on them to because as you can imagine i can't speak for corrections but uh, you imagine the the challenges of having an inmate population that's so closely by nature has to be closely confined uh, they want to be very very cautious so those crews have not been available for some time and that's if we have a three-legged stool of how we clean up litter in, in southern Arizona and some other parts of the state, it's going to be ADOT crews, it's going to be adopt-a-highway volunteers, and it's going to be inmate crews. We've been short of those inmate crews for about a year now, and we've seen an issue. And we've taken some criticism for it, but I have to say, um, if, if you find it offensive to see litter, we find it offensive, too. Uh, and we have adopt-a-highway miles available for, for volunteers and other groups if they're interested. I think the better idea is stop littering. That's uh, stop throwing one. your garbage <laughs> out the window. It it is it is really de- depressing in one sense because if you you know you look stop it and and you see what's on the side of the road, uh, it it it's really quite um, disgusting. It is disgusting and it's almost offensive in a way because virtually everything that you see on the side of the road could easily have been kept in your car or truck or whatever. Just wait till you get home or wherever you're going, find a trash can, throw it away. We don't need to see your fast food wrappers. We don't need to see uh, your, your empty water bottle. We don't need to see your cigarettes. We don't need to see loaded diapers and things like that. That's Ooh. really foul. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I realize we're a family program, so I don't want to get too far, but we <laughs> see things that, that shouldn't be thrown out. And sadly, we see a lot of syringes and things like that, and and we can't yeah. pick those up. Yeah. Um, we we cannot. Our crews, our our ADOT crews that, that do the maintenance, their first job is to make the roads safe. So if there's a pavement issue that needs to be corrected, that that's what they're going to do. If there's guardrail that needs to be replaced, that's what they're going to do. And then when they those safety issues are handled, they have time to go out and pick up litter. These guys and women live and work in the communities they serve. They see the litter. They're not happy about it, but they can only do so much. We really need the community to to respond and. And uh, it seems to be, you know, Tucson's kind of a hot spot for that uh, right now. And that's not a criticism of Tucson. It's just that's where we're getting a lot of complaints. Yeah, and people that go hiking, the same thing for the hiking trails. Litter all over the place. Take it home. Dispose of it properly. Yeah, it's, it's not that hard to do. Yeah, exactly. Be respectful of everybody around you, and especially Mother Earth. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear your voice. I'm glad you called in. I was getting kind of worried well, about these, you know, IDs that weren't. I'm a notary. <laughs> you know, here's my ID, but it expired. You know, what do you do? So. Yeah. Um, yeah, would be, uh, for a notary, you wouldn't have access to the database. But, uh, yeah, if, if, just just know that uh, if, if they meet that certain criteria, if they're, you know, of a certain age, 65 or older, then, then uh They've got that year extension, and the last year, the last uh, cohort, I believe, would be uh, people whose license expired February twenty eighth of this year. They would have a year to go before okay. they needed to renew. Okay, I wrote it down. Good. Thanks for calling. Hey, did EGs open up there? Uh, they're working on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, so, so your listeners know I spent uh, two and a half years working and living in Tucson. I lived about a. 
half mile from an EG's and became an addict, and they're they're building one a mile and a half from my house. It's not done yet, but uh, every day we're getting a day closer, right? So that's uh, something to look forward to. <laughs> so if he's not home, you know where to find him. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Get the <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks for calling in and bringing us up to date on what's going on. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sherry. Appreciate your time. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest in the studio is the president of the FCA Tucson chapter, Rich Fly, and technical sergeant Gerard Castillo. What do you want me to say? Uh, Gerald Castillo. That was close. Oh, I misspelled it. Look at that. I thought. Okay. That's all right. Castillo. <laughs> we were talking about everybody goes by last names around here. So we were trying to put first names onto faces and it wasn't working really well. So tell everybody what FCA stands for. So actually it used to stand for the Armed Forces Communications and Electronics Association. And now if the international organization uh, that's based in the D.C. area hears me say that, uh, I'm going to get a nasty little letter. So they've actually changed the name and it is just now AFSIA. Um, within the uh, defense organization within the defense industrial base, within the actual DOD itself, uh, they felt like the name AFSIA had a good enough name unto itself. Uh, so they didn't really need to go by that incredibly long acronym anymore. Uh, they could just shorten it to AFSIA. Okay, what does AFSIA do then? So AFSIA uh, was started actually 75 years ago this year. You started uh, it, didn't you? Uh, I'm not quite that old. I, <laughs> I do have some white on my beard, but not not quite. Not that. quite. <laughs> um, so it was started uh, kind of at the tail end of World War II. They noticed that there was a breakdown in the overall communication between um, what they call the DIB, the, De the Defense Industrial Base, and members of the Department of Defense. So what they wanted to do is create an organization that could kind of bridge that divide. Um, and it started out as just that uh just that type of interface and they've grown since then they've expanded into a lot of different areas and really what their objective is now is to bring more of that military voice more of that defense voice into the public uh, there's a lot of people within the public that don't truly understand what it is that the defense department does and all of the different facets of the defense department uh, so AFSIA wants to be one of those voices to educate the public on exactly what it is that these folks do uh, they're not all out just uh, running around with, with guns. Um, you know, most of these guys do... Some of them have tanks. That's true. And planes, yes. <laughs> and striker vehicles. Uh, most of the, the, the folks that are within the DOD, they have a, a wide array of capabilities. Um, some of them are medics. Uh, they deploy humanitarian, humanitarily. Um, they do um, cleanups. Um, Army Corps of Engineers, that's a bunch of fantastic engineers obviously in, we were just talking about cleanups yes yes yeah um, they're the members of the National Guard they'll they'll get deployed by the states to do any number of different things uh, one of the primary goals of National Guard is to maintain communication in um, down environments uh, they've got a program that started actually after Katrina uh, that establishes communication lines in disaster events uh, they they stood up after Katrina. They stood up after Sandy, and that's that's one of their primary functions. Isn't that one of your opportunities? Can you repeat the question one more time? Sorry, <laughs> we're talking about humanitarian efforts. Right. Yeah. So, my experience in the Air Force is uh, as an air traffic controller. Uh, the best 
air traffic control facility in the world is the Shepard Air Force Base, Texas. And with that, we learned, I learned air traffic control. And right now where I'm working at in the Air Operations Center at, at davis Monthan, our whole mission is to plan and execute air operations just to meet uh, presidential taskings or taskings from the United States Southern Command. And our biggest effort right now, lines of effort is strengthening partnerships. With that is humanitarian assistance. And that's what we did in Central America last year. We helped with uh, the relief efforts where Honduras got um, destroyed basically with back-to-back yeah. hurricanes. And yeah. uh, that was an emotional time for me, but you know, we were able to help out and especially for the, for the young kids uh, that, yeah. Yeah. That's a part of what everything is about too, is bringing the military and the civilian world together. Let's throw the net out there and talk to civilians and explain to them how they can help. What are some of the openings we have on AFSIA? So we, at AFSIA Tucson are undergoing somewhat of a substantial change right now. Uh, one of the difficulties that we have is the folks that are at Davis Monthan or that are within the 12th Air Force, um, they deploy, they change duty stations quite a bit. Um, and a lot of the folks on the AFSIA board of directors have been military members uh, in years past. So when they go through those periods of transition, we lose a lot of our board of directors and we're kind of going through one of those moments right now. Uh, so what we're trying to do is get a little bit more of a balance between members in the military holding those positions and members of the community, maybe even the, the defense industrial base holding those types of positions. So there are a number of positions that are transitioning to open right now. Uh, we're at, we actually have an opening for a treasurer, um, and then we have executive committees. Uh, each one of those executive committees uh, reports up to the primary board of directors, but they, they somewhat run it as if it's their own business. Uh, we've got a VP of Programs, a VP of Membership, VP of Academic Affairs, and we can talk about that a little bit as far as what we're trying to do with yeah, STEM. Yeah, that's important. Uh, industry Affairs, Scholarships, Emerging Leaders, which used to be called Young AFSEANs. Uh, they felt like it was uh, insulting to those under 40, which I am now no longer a member <laughs> of that group. You can call me a Young AFSEAN. <laughs> I'm not offended. They're now calling an emerging leader. So. <laughs> um, and then we've got inter, uh, information technology, social media, uh, and small business. Uh, and ideally for that type of position, we want somebody who is a small business member, is maybe an owner of a small business or, or operates a small business. Uh, and then for the emerging leaders, we do have a restriction that whoever runs that executive committee must be under 40 as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you we, want me to resign? <laughs> We'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. Tell us about the school thing, the STEM program, because I, th I think this is, we have so many people, so many teachers out there, and this is such an opportunity for them to bring bring to their schools. Tell us what the, de give us the details. So I'm being somewhat selfish here. Uh, okay. I have two children that are, one of them is in first grade. The other one is getting ready to go into kindergarten. So I have somewhat of a selfish take on this, and I would really love to, advance STEM within this state significantly farther than it is right now. Um, I will I will give credit to Governor Ducey as far as bringing in a lot of very innovative companies over the past, uh, I'd say maybe five years uh, that it's really happened. There's a lot of people moving in here from other states that are, I think that are going to help bolster that side of our economy. They definitely open the doors. I think the challenge that we have right now is that we are not, and maybe I'm just not privy to it, uh, but we're not really pushing those organizations to contribute heavily to STEM organizations, to STEM 
advancement within the state. Tell people what STEM is in case they don't know. Uh, it's science, technology, uh, engineering, and mathematics. And some call it STEAM. Uh, they add arts in there. Um, that's not really a facet that we're looking to. Um, the art side of it, we're, we're more focused just on the STEM because of what we do, the nature of the business that, that AFSIA is in. Um, but if it's something that we can provide assistance to, then absolutely we would take that on as well. So we're looking for teachers to come forward and be a part of AFSIA? I am really looking for... I, I was never a teacher. Um, I, I have a slew of teachers in my wife's family, um, so I, I get to hear about it all the time as far as what they're doing, what they're not doing. Um, I was never a teacher, so I don't want to say we're only looking for teachers. We're looking for anybody who has some sort of a an interest in helping us advance STEM within the state. And that would involve going to the different schools, getting people involved, maybe making presentations, becoming members of FCA. Correct. So what we're trying to do right now is work with a couple of organizations within the state, one of them being SARSEF. Right. And, and I cannot for the life of me remember their acronym. SARSEFs. Science, and I can't remember either. I have to write it out if I'm going to say it. I apologize, SARSEF. <laughs> I will make that up to you. Um we're working with organizations like that who create the curriculum because I think that's one of the big issues that teachers have had to this point. They're kind of left uh, on their own to create their own curriculum as far as positioning STEM-type engagements with their students. Right. There's all kinds of information out there, and I think that's probably part of the problem is that there's all kinds of information out there. There's no true direction. There's no true format that they need to follow. It's just sort of you're left into the weeds and you figure it out on your own. And you can do pretty much whatever you want, but they have to take that on, developing that whole program on their own within their school at the same time as being a teacher. And I can't even imagine... I work a lot of hours and I can't even imagine trying to do something like that. I, it, it, it boggles my mind. Yeah, those homemade experiments, you know, you blow things up and... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Maybe not necessarily want to. <laughs> it's, like, it's a learning Oops. experience. <laughs> <laughs> Won't do that again. So, yeah, if you're interested in, in getting involved with SARSF, how do they get in touch with you? Give them your cell number. <laughs> you can have it, actually. It's out there. Uh, I'll even give you my email address. Uh, my email address is rich.fly, F-L-Y, just like the bug, at boffed.com. And that's the company that I work for. Uh, it's B-A-H-F-E-D. Um, so I do have a full-time job that actually pays me. Uh, AFSIA is a 100% volunteer organization, so we do this out of the goodness of our hearts. Um, and again, I, I don't want to make it sound like this is completely benevolent. Uh, if you want to join because you feel like the networking aspect of AFSIA is intriguing to you and you feel like it could maybe help you advance your career or meet people that you wouldn't normally be able to meet, I have met some fantastic people uh, over the time that I've been involved with AFSIA. Yeah, I, you met me. Exactly, oh. exactly. I, I would never <laughs> be sitting in this chair. That's right. Had I not been involved with AFSIA. <laughs> uh, I, I've met Medal of Honor awardees. Uh, I've met generals. I've met former ambassadors. Um, it's a wonderful organization. Uh, I've met folks within the defense industrial base. I've met just regular civilians. Uh, I got involved in 05, and I wasn't really too heavily involved until the past couple of years when I came down and joined the AFSIA, the, the Tucson chapter. Uh, I actually live in Phoenix, so I can tell you exactly what roads are torn up in torn Phoenix. Torn up right in now. Phoenix? Yes, because I we, drove we, them today. We should have told ADOT. I think they need to know. I didn't want to call them out. <laughs> call them out. <laughs> so, 
if somebody wants to get involved, they can just go to the FCO website maybe and they can. become a member they can. as an individual. You don't have to be a company. That is absolutely correct, yes. But we would like all the companies to be members. I would love Active that. members. I would love that, yes. Okay. Uh, we... In Arizona, we've had kind of an ebb and flow of the involvement of AFSIA, and I feel like that's kind of a disservice to the state. Um, we have a lot of great companies here that, that could really get involved heavily within the state. Um, I know Boeing does some things here and there within STEM, but I would love to create some sort of a structure around that and get you know the Boeings, the Raytheons, the General Dynamics, those folks. I would love to get all of them involved with what we're really trying to do here, which is expand the, the capabilities of the folks that live in this state. We have two wonderful, well, I'm sorry, three wonderful universities. I'm really sorry, NAU. Uh, <laughs> and we've got some private schools like Embry-Riddle that focus pretty much solely on aerospace that most people don't even know about. Exactly. We were talking about that yesterday. Absolutely. It was like, it's right here in Arizona. Yes, there's it's two huge. campuses for Embry-Riddle and they focus solely on aerospace. Yeah. Um, they are probably some of the best schools in the country for that, uh, for that vertical. Uh, and a lot of people don't even know that it's in Prescott. <laughs> okay, this is new breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does it cost to be a member? I mean, I know my membership, I'm a member, but I'm an individual, so it's like 50 bucks. Correct. It's really cheap. Correct. So, all you individuals out there, and if you work for a company you think would like to get involved with helping promote... And it's not just STEM, it's not just the educational portion of it. It's businesses getting involved with how the military works too and how they can help each other. Kind of like InfraGuard, but only a little bit different in that regard. Do yeah, you, so our, how would our, you compare? InfraGuard is, because I'm a member of InfraGuard as well. So am I. InfraGuard is there to, uh, to assist with the connection between industry and the FBI primarily uh, for the purpose of cyber protection, cybersecurity. Correct. Uh, we are more broad-based. We're not really focused in quite so my... Well, I was going to say myopically, but that sounds so negative. Um, <laughs> we, we, we look at a, a lot of different areas. We look at communications. We look at technology. We look at... Um, uh, Really, any kind of business. I mean, I've seen at some of the shows that AFCA has, I've seen furniture companies there. Uh, I've seen all different kinds of organizations that want to support the efforts of the Defense Department at these shows. And, and some of these are very large-scale shows. Unfortunately, because of COVID, everything has sort of just been pushed to the right, uh, but it's starting to kind of come out now. We were supposed to do some shows out in, uh, in June. Uh, there was going to be a huge Navy show out in San Diego. Uh, that's now been pushed to virtual because of what's going on in California right now. Uh, I think the next primary show is going to be the cyber show out in Maryland, out in Baltimore. Uh, and that's kind of a primary show for uh, the folks at Fort Meade, uh, mainly DISA, uh, the Defense, Indus uh, Defense Information Systems Agency. I think they, they probably have the largest presence there. Um, and and look, I was going to say, w within Tucson, we've done shows here before. It's been a number of years. I think the last show we did was called Land Warnet, the last significant significant show, and that was probably around 2010. Wow. Yes. So what I'm we're trying to do, what we're trying to do now <laughs> is we're trying to uh, we're trying to bring some some of those shows back, and we want to bring some folks from outside the state to give their perspectives of what what it looks like outside the state what companies do, how companies engage with them um, that aren't in Arizona. And maybe we can bring some of that knowledge back to Arizona. Absolutely. Um, so we do have a show coming up in October. Um, we're actually 
in the final planning stages of it. Um, it's going to be held at the Westin La Paloma uh, on October 12th, and it is a leadership symposium. Uh, we're bringing in folks from a wide variety of organizations, um, from medical, from financial, from law enforcement, from federal law enforcement, from defense, from state, the state government. Uh, we've got some senior officials that are, or a senior official that is going to be giving one of our keynotes. And then we have a, uh, sorry, senior DOD official uh, from 12th Air Force that's going to be giving one of our, our uh, keynote addresses. Uh, and then a senior member uh, of the state government, of the Arizona state government, giving one of our other keynotes. And then we ha we'll have a whole day where you can hear from folks within defense, you can hear from folks within regular industry, like I said, financial sector, uh, healthcare sector, law enforcement. Uh, and if there are any suggestions that people have, um, we're still, like I said, we're still kind of in that planning phase. So uh, we, we, we are willing to take uh, information in uh, and adjust that according to what people are really looking to get out of it. Absolutely. And, and people need to be communicating. It's been a whole year, maybe a little longer than that, of no communication. We need to get back into communicating. And this will be an in-person event. Yes. And correct. you'll be able to, you know, bump elbows. I guess they don't handshake anymore. So you'll be able to bump elbows <laughs> with some pretty incredible people. Absolutely. So, we're going to follow guidance as far as where we are with the pandemic. Um, right. So it may be an event where everybody's masked again. Uh, we will follow Standing that. Standing in the parking sure. lot. Yes. Yes. Six I, feet apart. I don't want anyone <laughs> to kidding. get sick. So uh, whatever it takes. Um, but we've we've been planning this event for quite a while now. Yes. Uh, since well before I took over as president, I actually took over at uh, the perfect time, and that I say that as sarcastically as possible. Uh, I took over in April of 2020, so right at the beginning of a massive pandemic is yeah. when I took over the chapter. So uh, I'll be here for another year. Um, the, the president role is usually two years, uh, unless there's some extenuating circumstance. Um, but like I said, we've been planning this event for the better part of a year, and we keep having to push it down because of COVID, because I don't want this to be a virtual event. I want to make sure that people can actually engage and open, like law matters, open those lines of communication. Yes. That would be awesome. And Mr. Castillo, what is your part in all this? So right now I'm the uh, Vice President of International Affairs. Since I'm going to be leaving davis Monthan soon for the Southern Hemisphere, I'm still going to be part of uh, 12 Air Forces. Yep. Southern Hemisphere, where are you going? Uh, I'm going to be going to... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you make it sound like, you know, you're just going to cover the whole area. The whole area. Yes, what sir. are you going to do down there? Uh, air traffic control. Yep. They have airplanes down there? They sure do. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm impressed. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to gauge the uh, the environment, and then I'm going to reach back to uh, Mr. Fly and call him every day. and tell Twice him, hey, a day. Twice a day. I really do uh, bother him a lot. I feel bad for him. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay, let's... I printed this off the internet because yes. you sent it to me. So let's talk about some of the um, real benefits of being a member. Do you want me to hold it up so you can read it? <laughs> because I've forgotten all of them. Um, so as a member, you do get some discounts. Um, you get discounts. I believe it's Dell and Apple right now. They're not. Oh, that's they're not, cool. They're not even on there. That's surprising. Uh, they're not 
horribly significant, um, but it is a discount. Um, you get access to the AFSIA Signal Magazine, which kind of gives you a lay down on kind of current affairs within what's going on within DOD, some of the organ, some of the uh, operations that they're running, some of the programs of record that they have going on. So and that's can, globally. That's not just... That's all of DOD. Correct. Yep. So, uh, and people need to know FCA is an international program. It's not just domestic. It is. That is correct. Uh, we do have chapters all over the world. It's primarily located where we have some sort of a military presence. And that, now that I say that, that sounds bad. <laughs> But it's a good organization. It is a good to. organization. They do in those countries. They do kind of the same thing that we're trying to do here, uh, and that's one thing that I want to work with uh, Sarn Castillo on. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Sar, I was Army, so <laughs> I, I don't say it the way the Air Force says it. Uh, so we want to go as an organization. We want to go out into those areas, and we want to help them in any way that we can as an international five hundred one c three organization. Uh, so when, when we go down into the southern hemisphere and we do work with uh with those with some organizations that are in that area we want to make sure that we're doing it in a way that helps to promote them that that we're helping to to build out those areas in support of their own uh their own local organizations right i know what you're saying I okay i said that well <laughs> it sounded really bad coming out of my mouth <laughs> i'm sorry okay they also offer, FC also offers scholarships. We do. Talk about that. Um, so that is one of our primary charters is to uh, to work with folks that are K-12 to offer scholarships, to offer trainings. That's one of the things that we're trying to do within our uh, academic uh, executive committee, not just the STEM engagement, but we're trying to build out the scholarships that we have. Um, we want to get involved with, if there's members within K-12, if there's students that want to attend a service school, uh, we want to connect them with the right people so that they can get the referrals that they need to be able to legitimately apply to those schools, because I know that's a very difficult process. It is. Um, we want to assist with that in any way that we can. We want to make sure that, that we're giving every advantage that we can to the students of Arizona to really uh, excel themselves. And I think that's something that's kind of missing in today's society let's help these kids do something and if you're interested there's a a scholarship available for women in stem the deadline to apply for that is may 31st so if you're interested or know somebody who might be interested send me an email and just go to lawmatters1030.org and you can send me an email from there and that's not the only scholarship they offer they offer a lot to people who actually want to get involved and it's just especially if you've got kids you've got young kids get yourself involved because you're going to be opening doors for these kids and then your kids are tomorrow's future so let's open these doors and educate everybody about what's going on internationally not just in pima county absolutely so if you have to leave fca at the end of your presidency, where are you going to go? So I, I will never leave. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so after my tenure as president is up, if there is someone that is in the role, usually what happens within the organization is you've got an executive vice president that generally takes on that role. Okay. Um, if that person is not does not want that role, or you want somebody else to come in and take it on, then it has to be voted on by the the board of directors. Um, if I was required to continue, then I, I could do that in kind of an ad hoc 
capacity. I want to make sure that the that the chapter stays intact. What if uh, everybody abstained from voting that day? To make me the president. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess I just have to do it. <laughs> willingly or unwillingly. Kicking uh, and screaming. So what what happens generally is you've got the, the past presidents, you've got the past board of directors members that stay on in an advisory capacity. So that yeah. that's kind of what I would end up doing. Um, it yeah. would not be my objective to take on any of the roles, any of the XCOM, the executive committee roles, or any of the board of director roles. I would purely be there advise, to, to advise the activities, make sure that everything can continue the way that we had designed it. Yeah, because this is something you really need to know the organization yes. and be an observer for a while. Yes. And we're asking for citizens to step forward, and especially in this um, educational portion of it, step forward and help us help you. Correct. And, and it, it really doesn't matter where you are. Um, Obviously, we would prefer people in Arizona because then that consolidates things here. We do meetings every month um, down here in Tucson, so I drive down from Phoenix every month. But if you want to be a, a, an XCOM member, then you know if you want to hold one of those VP positions, you can be anywhere in Arizona. You could be down near Fort Huachuca in Sierra Vista. You could be in Casa Grande. You could be in anywhere in Phoenix, um, and, and you can participate. You don't necessarily have to come to all of those meetings. We can fill you in. We want people who are going to be engaged. That's all we really want. You can always join virtually too. That's true. Yes, absolutely. FaceTime. We do have that capability. We engaged so that multiple times during COVID. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so there's really, you know, no excuse. You feel like you live out in the boondocks and you, you can't get there. You can still be involved. Correct. There's a lot of this is a lot of phone calling, a lot of talking to people, going to schools, talking to principals. Hey, this is what we want to do. Do you have anybody here who would like to represent your school in this program? Let's do it. And we can kind of make it whatever our members want. You know, we have members of the chapter as well. Uh, people that are not on that board of directors, but they are members of the chapter. And we we regularly solicit information from them. It's not quite as much right now because of obviously because of COVID, but we were generally having a meeting every month. Uh, we do we call it the professional development series, where we would bring in speakers to talk about a wide array of topics, um, whether that's secure communications or tactical communications or uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, I've, I've got someone that I'm that I'm trying to secure right now that talks about quantum computing. Um, and what is that? I'm not that smart. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll help you get him to come on and let's talk about it. When, when she talks, uh, I, I just get that, that glazed over eye look. A deer I in the headlight. I have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> I, I hear words and I know it's English. Uh, I, that's about it. Yeah. Um, but Sometimes we, we, you need a visual aid. <laughs> I don't even know if that would help. <laughs> so we want to kick that off again and we want to get information from the public. We want to get information from our members on what it is that you want to hear about. Do you want to hear about quantum computing? Do you want to hear about quantum communications? Do you want to hear about uh, mini satellites that are being put up by SpaceX, um, yeah. Amazon? Do you want to hear about 5G rollouts? I think Amazon should be a member of this organization. I do too. They Amazon, this, if you're listening. And Caterpillar. Yes. Cata absolutely Caterpillar. Yes. So we need reps from both these companies. Yes. If any right of away. you are listening. Right away. Yes. Go to lawmatters1030.org, send us an email, and we'll get you in touch with Rich. Absolutely. And make everybody a, a member. Is that's that's huge. When did you graduate from did you graduate from high college? School? High school. Okay, high school. 
uh, wow. two, 2007, like last I believe. week. Basically, <laughs> you got a baby face. That's what you do have a baby face. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> Live it up while you can. No. That's right. It won't last forever. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, so, mom. Thanks, mom. <laughs> his mom's jeans. Is mom listening? Uh, yes, yes, she is. Oh. And where's mom? Mom's in Miami right now. She was just getting up. So she was just I called her like thirty minutes before. I was like, hey. You're on there? You wanted to make it's, sure. It's like you're 5 to 12 up. in Miami and she's just getting up? No, uh, those like earlier. Like, oh. like 30. Yeah. She's had a rough time. She's uh, been kind of sick. So. Oh, I hope yeah. she feels better. What's her yeah. name? Uh, Ma- Marie. Mom. Mom. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is I true. Am, it is I am true. loving this. <laughs> so what brought you into FCA? Um, my mentor. Uh, Kapili, PCAP, Paul, P-cap, Paul. Master Sergeant Paul, Master Sergeant Paul, uh, who's in Hawaii. The poor Hawaii. guy had to go to Hawaii. Yeah, he, um, we, me and him, we we shared a lot of the the same fire. We're we're idealists, and I didn't really understand what he was trying to tell me. He was like, "Hey, you need to meet this guy. You need to meet this guy." I was like, "Who is this guy? I don't know him." Uh, <laughs> and then finally, right before he left, it it all clicked. I was like, "We're trying to." be innovative we're trying to bring industry to the to the military and it's actually part of the national defense strategy from uh, patrick shanahan back in 2018 it's like hey we need to partner with our industry uh members and actually right here in davis mountain we're trying to start a spark cell spark tank initiative and right now like rich said we're trying to promote it you know get the right people get the right quality uh, airmen going and civilians as well and if you if you didn't know, the the winner for the AFWorks 2021 trophy came from Davis Monton, actually. It was a maintainer. He was working on a C-130 Hercules, uh, which is the, the the cargo plane with the four propellers that you see flying around all the time. The chubby one? The, that one. Okay. And yeah, uh, this gentleman, he ended up uh, making this innovative thing with a wheel repair. I don't know the exact details, but it came from Davis Monton. So there it is right there, the, the sticking point. How cool is that? It's awesome. We're on and the map, finally. We're on the map. So, For anybody who doesn't know, AFWorks is kind of the innovation arm of the Air Force. Um, they've got a few, uh, depending on the, the, the branch, they all have their own innovation arms, including the Air National Guard. They have what's called ARCWorks, which I wasn't even aware of this, and I've been in this industry for longer than I would care to admit. Uh, they're actually located in Tucson. They're in downtown Tucson, ARCWorks is. So what they do is they take uh, they take problem sets from within their respective areas. Um, for them, it would be Air National Guard. For Af- for AFWorks, it would be uh, Active Duty Air Force. They take problem sets and then they engage. Um, what they're trying to do is engage innovative companies to solve those problems. It's yeah, it's like a think tank. Exactly, right, right downtown. Exactly, and the idea was to make it act a little bit more like the way Silicon Valley acts, where they well, have we a don't want to act like that. Only in the sense that you're innovating. <laughs> oh, okay. So what they wanted to do is, is take some of these problems and... and uh, Throw them out there and say, let's solve this. Correct. How are you thinking? Let's put our heads together and fix it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay, I'm going to remind everybody, don't litter. Good morning to your mom. Morning, mom. I'm glad she's up. Good morning to your wife, who won't listen because she's afraid you'll say something. Exactly. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I hope we didn't get anybody fired today. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> That'd be uh, bad. <laughs> yeah, it would be bad. Okay, until next week, I want everybody to shop local, stay safe. Thank you for com- coming in. 
Thank you for calling in, Doug and, and Andy. And Andy, I want to talk to you again. And till then, stay safe. Bye.